Well, okay. I mean, everybody has to have a least favorite chapter, right? A least favorite topic in any any class. And here's mine. <laughs> Health insurance. You know, it wouldn't be so bad if politics had not infected every inch, every facet of healthcare, but it has. And instead of trying to provide a system that cares for the citizens of our country, we have a system that bilks us and is a source of major uh, conflict and partisanship. But hey, we got to deal with it, right? Health and disability income insurance. Psst. Here are a few voids to the wise. Don't get sick. And throughout this discussion, we'll be, we'll be referring to the Affordable Care Act, often called Obamacare, also called Romneycare. Huh? And um, here's one link to a an article that talks about how people actually wanted the health care bill to do more as long as it's not called Obamacare. If it's called Obamacare, then they don't want it. Figure that out. Slide number two. Health care costs in the United States. The United States has the highest per capita medical expenditures of any industrialized country in the world. And the predicted amount, and we'll know in a few years, of course, but but Almost $12,000 per person. Every single one of us writes a check for almost $12,000. Man, woman, and child. This amount is over twice as much as the average for the 24 industrialized countries in Europe and North America. And folks, we're not any much more healthier than they are. And we're paying over twice as much. In 1965... Healthcare was about 6% of our gross domestic product. In about 2017, it had risen to almost 18%. That's $3.5 trillion, and it's still growing. By 2026 or so, it'll be virtually 20% of our gross domestic product. That means one in five people will be working in the healthcare industry. That's why back in chapter one, we said healthcare, healthcare, biotechnology. I heard an economist say it very uh, succinctly. Americans want too much of a very good thing because we have the best healthcare system in the world. We also have the worst healthcare system in the world. Huh? It was <laughs> a tale of two cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It's the, you know, it's the most technologically advanced system there is, but it doesn't do you any good if you can't pay for it and afford it, <laughs> right? Um, I heard one gentleman joke that eventually the healthcare system will be so sophisticated that it'll only be able to serve one person, but it'll serve them very, very well. Okay, fine. Slide number three. Why does healthcare cost so very much? Well, there are several reasons. We have... M we have the most sophisticated, expensive technologies. We have a tendency to duplicate tests and technologies. That was one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, con uh, provisions of the Affordable Care Act was to get the com 
computers to talk to one another, the the healthcare system computers to uh, to talk to one another and um, and and reduce these duplication of tests. There's of course an ever increasing variety and frequency in treatments, but here are the the main two reasons: high administrative costs, insurance companies. They are very powerful, and they take about one quarter of every dollar that we spend. Hard to believe, but insurance companies are not on your side. <laughs> they act very friendly, but they're they're basically draining the lifeblood of our healthcare system. Now, of course, they would beg to differ with my assessment. But how come we spend about one quarter on health on our administrative costs, and Canada spends one percent, where they have socialized medicine? Now, is their system perfect? Certainly not. They have much longer waits for um, and other socialized medicine countries for elective surgeries and the like. But their people are not that much healthier than our people. Yeah. And then the real reason it's getting so expensive, one of, I mean, one of the, not the only reason, but a very important reason why it's getting so expensive, we're living longer. We're getting, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but at the same time, it's incredibly costly. Now, I want you to take a look at this statistic. From ages 60 to 70, the average person uses more healthcare resources than they did from ages 0 to 59. Exactly. See, you, if you're younger, if you're one of our younger students, can't imagine spending $12,000 on healthcare every, every uh, uh, year. But wait till you get older. <laughs> and they say, you need a such and such. At fifth, age 50, they tell you you need a colonoscopy. And so I did what I was supposed to do, and then I have insurance. Thank you very much, Southwestern Community College. And they sent me the bill afterwards, which I didn't pay. I I, I forgot how much I paid, a very, very, very small co-payment. I was in that place for a couple of hours. How could it cost several thousand dollars? It did. These are the most significant reasons, especially the last two reasons. Malpractice insurance is often used as a scapegoat for spiraling costs, but it's a very small amount, except for some areas of healthcare, such as obstetrics and gynecology, where their their um, uh, malpractice insurance is outrageous. And there are numerous examples in Canvas and on the website that you can take a look at. Twenty five hundred dollars for a tube of 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 a cold cream cold. Um, cold sore cream, fever blister cream, which you can get for a few bucks in Tijuana. And uh, how how long does it, how much, well, how do we put a price on a doomed light? There are several articles, and of course, you do a search, you'll see hundreds and hundreds more. Yes, it's an issue. So, what is being done about the high costs of health care? Um, Insurance companies are doing their best to review fees and charges and establish incentives for preventive care and services um, provided out of the hospital where medically acceptable. This, this service was provided in an outpatient center, not in the hospital. 
community health programs to get people to take better care of themselves because preventative care is almost always cheaper than allopathic care once the patient is sick. In other words, try to get them to deal with their diabetes before they show up at the emergency room close to a diabetic coma. And they send out these brochures with the couple riding a bicycle. It's all, they're always riding a bicycle. It makes me kind of sick. <laughs> you know people who, who yeah, right. They, they get in the car. They throw the two bicycles in the back of the car in Santee, drive all the way on the SUV to the Mission Bay, go around Mission Bay, which is flat, 10 miles, and then they feel like they've done a good job. Anyway, and also medical vacations, huh? You know, you need your gallbladder removed. Um, we'll do it here, but hey, we'll send you to the Philippines and put you up in a beautiful hotel right by the beach or maybe Korea or uh, somewhere in South America. Would you do it? Hmm? Maybe we'll give you some spending money. Why? Because it's going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars less. Hey, the doctors are trained in the U.S., so would you do it? Mm -hmm. Well, medical vacations are becoming more and more popular. But the real answer to this question is there's not much being done about the high cost of health care because are you willing to forego your medical care? Well, if you can pay for it or if you have insurance, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But if you can't pay for it, oh well. Which would you choose? Hmm? Here we are, dear students. You have a, a, a choice. And nothing in your life is has prepared you for this choice here. You're 34 years old, and you've been smoking cigarettes for 20 years, and paid a whole lot of money for those cigarettes, by the way. Recently, you've been experiencing severe abdominal pain and a nagging cough. You go to your family doctor, who sends you immediately to the hospital. After a few tests, the specialist asks you to sit down with her and tells you that you have stage 4 lung cancer that has spread to your liver and spine. She tells you you probably have three to six months to live, and she gives you two choices. The first choice is to forego radical treatment. Instead, you are given pain medication, placed in hospice care after two months, and your chances of living five years are one in a thousand, and you die in four months. The second choice is to decide to, you decide to undergo radical treatment. You have surgery, radiation treatment, several rounds of chemotherapy. Your chances of living five years are now one in 85, and you die in nine months. And it's a horrible way to go, folks. The chemotherapy will kill you if the, if the cancer doesn't. But, hey, we're working on it, folks. Working on it. Look up immunotherapy. Five, ten years. This is all going to be history. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. Now, which one would you choose? <laughs> right? You just don't, you can't imagine. It's like to be gobsmacked with this with this choice. But let's take a look at the financial implications. The first choice is going to cost about seventy-five thousand dollars, maybe more, maybe less. The second choice is going to cost well over a million dollars. Now, do you understand? Why each man, woman, and child is writing a check for almost twelve thousand dollars, 
And that's not all. Slide number six. The average cost per diabetes patient is close to 10 grand for the diabetes, $16,500 for all the health care costs related to diabetes. Dear students, you don't want diabetes. Post-traumatic stress syndrome, over $8,000 per year in perpetuity. Cystic fibrosis, 15500 per year. But people with cystic fibrosis are living far longer than they ever did. But still, $15,500 per year. A liver transplant, almost a million. A lung transplant, almost a million. A heart transplant, more than a million. And the anti-rejection drugs cost an average of $30,000 per year for the rest of your life. You see why each and every one of us is writing that check? And most people who are young just, they can't, it just doesn't, get, it just doesn't register in their consciousness. Because they, when they go to the doctor, the doctor says, you're great, get out of here. 1% of patients use 22% of our medical resources. 5% use 50% of the resources. One-third of all Medicare dollars are spent in the last year of life, just keeping somebody alive from three to four months to six months. Yeah. And what can be done about these costs? Hmm? What do you think? Slide seven, death panels. You see, anytime somebody... Um, floats one of these ideas, they get attacked politically. In 2008, while then-Senator Obama was campaigning for the presidency and making health care his primary focus, his grandmother, who was his primary caregiver for the most of his early life, was dying. He saw the heroic and costly efforts that were being used to keep her alive for an extra few months. Along with his campaign promises to rein in health care costs, he floated the idea of giving Medicare patients in the last few months of life information about options such as hospice care. His political opponents quickly accused him of wanting to create death panels. To this day, a large number of people still believe that the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, contains death panels. <laughs> you see, this is what we're up against. How do we fix a problem how do we how do we deal with this issue of healthcare when it it quickly becomes politicized? I don't know. I don't have the answers. All I can do is just lament and ask you to to think carefully and become a citizen involved in fixing this problem because it's broken. There's everybody agrees on it's broken, but we can't agree on how to fix it. And some people don't want to fix it. They don't really care about the millions who don't have insurance, don't have access to health care. And that's not the hallmark of a civilized country, in my humble opinion. Slide number eight. Speaking of the devil <laughs> and death panels, the Affordable Care Act is commonly referred to Obamacare. But see, this is where the Democrats were incredibly stupid. Instead of allowing it to be called Obamacare, they should have called it Romney Care, because that's who started it. It was originally proposed by the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative think tank group. And it was implemented by then-Governor Mitt Romney in Massachusetts in 2006. 
The idea is you create these large health insurance exchanges. You know, more people into these healthcare systems spreads out the risk. You create a health insurance mandate encouraging the young and healthy to have insurance to help pay for the older and the sicker members of society. And when young people say, well, I don't have to worry about that. Yes, you do. Assuming you intend on growing old, you have to worry about it. And people cannot be denied insurance because of pre-existing conditions. And this was the, the thing that the insurance companies swallowed because they're very powerful folks. They've shot down all reforms in the past. But they said, okay, if you make it so everybody has to has to um, um, have insurance, we'll swallow this uh, pre-existing conditions. And Romney Care has worked well in Massachusetts, as 98% of people are insured. Is the Obamacare, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, working on a national level? Well, you have one half, not quite, but almost, you know, the the Republican Party working diligently to destroy anything about it. But now they've sort of given up on the pre-existing conditions, it seems like. As we're painfully aware, the news is filled with cries of the Republicans in Congress who will do anything, including shutting down the government and defaulting on the debt to overturn it. Mm, okay, so my apologies. If you don't like what I say, it's, this is what's happening, folks. What are we going to do about it? Some people accuse me of being a, 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 well, forget it. Slide number nine. Let's go down to the personal level. How can you reduce your personal health care costs? Well, stay well. Don't get sick, right? <laughs> Focus on prevention. Balanced diet. Keep your weight under control. Reduce your total merry, merry, meat and dairy and sweets consumption. How much sugar is in a soda? And there's a few little uh, presentations, little videos that I hope you look at. How much soda is in a sugar? How much sugar is in a soda? Uh, the the real Coca-Cola bears, because folks, you do not want diabetes, and yet people start drinking sugar at a very soda sugar, sweet uh, fizzy sugar water with a brown crayon stuck in it at a very young age, and you know, you drink one every couple of weeks. It's not a big deal. But some people drink three a day or more, which is scary. Very, very scary because you're setting yourself up for diabetes. And you do not want diabetes. You saw how much it costs. Learn to deal effectively with stress, which means exercise. Don't smoke. Don't drink to excess. In fact, there's more and more coming out that saying we really shouldn't drink hardly anything alcoholic. Get enough rest, relaxation, and exercise. Yeah, right, sure, Mom. It sounds like, uh, forget it. Anyway, exercise. If exercise were a pill, if it were a drug, it would be the most commonly per, uh, prescribed drug in the world. I'm sure the insurance, comp insurance companies are working, I'm sorry, the drug companies are working on putting it into a pill. Oh, by the way, do financial health and medical health have any correlation? You bet they do. The wealthier you are, the healthier you are. Mm -hmm. Slide number 10. So finally, we get to health insurance and financial planning. Health insurance alleviates the financial burdens people suffer due to illness or injury. It's part of your overall risk management plan to safeguard your family's economic security because a week in the hospital can literally kill you, financially that is. 
47 million have no health insurance. Two-thirds are full-time workers and their families. Older college students can now be covered by their parents' policy until age 26 under the Affordable Care Act. The number has been climbing as more and more business, small businesses claim they can no longer afford the cost of health insurance for their employees. And the Affordable Care Act is supposed to reduce this number to just below 20 million. How did it all start? It started from World War II when, when uh, companies were not allowed to raise wages during wartime. So they start in the United States. So they started to offer health care as a as a uh, as a benefit. And then after World War II, this is what we decided was the best way of going because Europe had used a different system. During World War II, they had the governments uh, providing the health care. And after they after World War II, they decided to keep that. And we called that socialism. They called it their national health care system. And you know ne neither. Neither is perfect, folks. Nothing we've ever done, you humans, has ever been perfect. But ours costs a hell of a lot more. And the businesses are st have started, well, they've been doing it for a few decades now. They're complaining. We can't afford this anymore. Right. So how are we going to handle it? I don't know. Anybody who tells you they know how to fix it, I think, is either a hell of a lot smarter than I am, that's for sure, or they just, they're fooling themselves because... There are so many competing interests, and there are so many people who don't want it to change because they're making a ton of money off of it. Slide number 11, the types of health care coverages. The comprehensive major medical insurance, sometimes called the Cadillac plan. Low or high deductible offered without a separate basic plan. And so we'll come back to this a little bit later. You're, somebody's going to try to sell you a hospital indemnity plan. It's cheap, but it's not very useful. It pays you a few hundred bucks when you're in the hospital, which you have to have other insurance because that's not going to cover the hospital costs, but it's something to uh, make sure everybody's gotten, get, getting fed at least. Now, these dread diseases, these cancer insurance policies, someone's going to try to sell you these. Aflac is one of the companies that really pushes these things. And they're great. They're wonderful. If you get the disease that is associated with the policy, if you get cancer, yes, it'll pay very generously. But if you get hepatitis B, oh, well, it's not going to do any good. So I know how much commission the the, uh, the, insurance comp the insurance agents get because I'm an insurance agent, and I can tell you that it's very generous. So they are often sold by people working on commission, and often what happens is the insurance company will uh, administer the 401k plan or the the flexible savings account at the at the employer and at the same time they sign you up for those things they try to sign you up for these because that's where they make their serious money so be careful remember don't worry we're going to insult everybody by the end of the semester slide number 12 dental expense insurance well it's separate from your health care plan and so is your vision plan. And, you know, we have at Southwestern a pretty decent dental, a couple decent dental plans. The vision care plan, I don't think it's that great because it costs about the same amount as if you were just to go every year and go get a new pair of glasses. So, oh well. And then long-term care insurance is insurance that will pay you if you wind up in long-term care. 
It was virtually unknown 20, 30 years ago, but now it's growing faster than any other form of insurance. Why? Because of the baby boomers seeing their parents' <laughs> life savings wiped out as they were put into um, uh, long-term skilled nursing or, yes, so... If you do the things we need to do in this class, we ask you to do, build long-term wealth, uh, pay down your debts, pay off your home over, you know, 30 years or so, then you, you will be self-insured. And, you know, most people don't wind up in long-term care. So the statistic is six out of seven people will pass away in their home, uh, not in a facility. But still, um it's something that, that people are sold. So think about it. Think about it. Do the numbers and uh, decide not to do it, especially if you're young, and do the concepts and techniques and skills that we learn in this class. Slide number thir 13. A good health insurance plan should offer basic coverage for hospital and doctor bills. Pay at least 80% of out-of-pocket, out-of-hospital expenses after the yearly deductible is met. Well, wait a minute. Even if you say 80% of $100,000 is still 20 grand, but oh, relax, relax, relax. There's also a stop loss provision. They sh a good health insurance plan should limit your out-of-pocket expenses to no more than five or ten thousand dollars in a year. Again, this doesn't include dental, optical, prescription costs. Some of them uh, include the prescription costs. The Affordable Care Act removed the typical $1 million restriction and the typical one-year pre-existing exclusion for health insurance. So in other words, before, after you spent a million dollars, the insurance company was off the hook. And again, you know, to you and me, that's a lot of money, but to the healthcare system, that's, you know, one heart transplant. Not even. So when Americans are asked that they like the provisions of the health Affordable Care Act without naming or referring to Obama, they overwhelmingly say, yes, they do. They like the fact that, that people who are, uh, have pre-existing conditions cannot be excluded from health care. I mean, it's not their fault, right? They like the fact that, you know, somebody who has a heart transplant should not be now left without being able to pay for their anti-rejection drugs. But when you ask people if they like Obamacare, they overwhelmingly say, no, of course not. It's government takeover of health care. It's uh, death panels. This is the politics involved in the health care system. Slide 14. Where do we get our health insurance? Well, as we said, it was an accident of history. It comes from the idea that businesses were going to pay for the health care. And after the World War II, there was actually a movement in the United States that was shot down very quickly because it was considered communist to put it in the hands of the government, which, of course, can't do anything well except build really good aircraft carriers and interstate highways and send people to space. Anyway, uh, group, group plans comprise close to 90% of all health insurance issued. Most group plans are employer-sponsored, and the employer pays part or most of the cost. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, IPA, provides some protection, because if you change your jobs, you need not lose your health insurance. 
Individual health insurance policies are typically, but not always, cost more than the group policies. Why? Because in a group policy, you spread the risk around. That's the idea behind insurance. And then the Affordable Care Act health insurance exchanges, that's exactly what they were meant to do, was allow the individual to join into these huge pools. And what the Affordable Care Act hoped would happen would that would be that the young folks would say, okay, you know, I, I, I need to, I'm going to be penalized if I don't. Not a whole lot, but you're going to be penalized if you don't do it. You're taxed, basically. Uh, I'll join in. And in some cases it's worked, and in some cases it hasn't worked so well. So, you know, that's why we say, will Obamacare, will the Affordable Care Act, will Romney Care work on the national level? We're st- it's an it's a, it's a, uh, it's a experiment in progress. And it's being attacked at all <laughs> by, 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 yeah, by Republicans. And then mangled care. I'm sorry, sorry, managed care. Uh, uh, managed care are two of the prime examples are health management or, uh, organizations, HMOs, and then preferred provider uh, organizations, PPOs. HMOs have a, um, a group, a huge group of healthcare providers. And you get a troll. I'm sorry. You get a gatekeeper. You get a your um, your family doctor, your uh, um, general practitioner refers you to other uh, uh, providers in the uh, in network. You have a fixed monthly premium, and they supposedly focused on prevention and wellness. Now we belong to one. You know, it, it, it seems to be very very good. We're very happy with it. But they send you the brochure with the old couple with the helmets and on their bicycles smiling and it's it's like you guys lip service um uh, if you want a system that's a little bit more flexible then you can go with ppos where you are allowed to um move out of the network is going to cost you a lot more than an hmo but that's the idea and and some people are very happy with theirs kaiser maybe you have kaiser we have a sharp which is I'm impressed so far because we were a little bit skeptical at first, but it seems to have worked for us. So uh, other people in the military have the one called TRICARE, which I've heard, you know, people are very happy with it. So check out your local HMO organization. What's your local health maintenance organization? Now, let's get back. I said we would get back to this um, health insurance plan, the, the Cadillac plan. Well, these um, traditional, uh, often called fee-for-services plans, um, are now called the Cadillac plans. And there is a a type of this plan that I call catastrophic health insurance. That's not what the industry calls them. They just call them low-cost, high-deductible insurance plans. The problem is they're not that much low-cost. Many of the um, Affordable Care Act plans look like this. It, it's really just a, a comprehensive major medical plan. You get to choose your own health care providers. This was the cool thing about this. This is the cool thing. You're not in, an, in a pool like an HMO where you only get to go to certain doctors. You get to choose your own health care providers and you pay out of pocket. Why? Because you have a huge uh, high, high deductible uh, high deductible uh, fee. So, you know, they don't start char- paying you anything until that you pay five, six, ten thousand dollars 
However, some of them will have a provision where you can go to the your primary care doctor two times a year, and they'll have a uh, copay of you know maybe 25 bucks because they want you to at least get a checkup so nothing serious is going on. And the cool thing about this is that you can negotiate lower fees because the, the doctors are very happy not to have to deal with the insurance companies. Now, this is what we, my, my family, used because for several years because you're protected against large losses and you're eligible for these health savings accounts because you can contribute pre-tax money to a health savings account it's like, a, it's like a retirement account, but then you don't have to wait until you retire. You can use that money to pay for health care costs. So if you don't need the cash, it then rolls over to the next, year's and next year, and you, it can stay with you for your entire lifetime. And then, of course, when you're in your elder years, it's going to cost a whole lot more, and you're going to have a whole lot more in this, in this uh, health savings account. So it's actually a pretty cool idea. The problem is these low-cost high deductible insurance plans aren't low cost anymore. They're actually pretty darn expensive now. And many of them are the, uh, you can take a look at examples when you go to coveredca.com, coveredcalifornia.com, because that's m m much of what the Obamacare, Romneycare, Affordable Care Act plans look like. These are not to be confused with flexible spending accounts. The, the, the difference between a flexible spending account, first of all, it's, it's employer-based, so you, your employer has to offer it. And if you don't use all the money the year that you take it out, you, take, you have some money taken out of, your, um, out of your paycheck and put into this FSA, if you don't use it all, it goes away, which is a really stupid way to incentivize people. You're telling them, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Well, then they're going to go to the doctors. I'm going to use it up, <laughs> even if I don't need to go. Okay, well, uh, nothing's perfect. Slide 17. Huh? Men in Black, MIB. No, Medical Information Bureau. Do you remember the, uh, yes, the, um, the uh, credit reporting agencies and then the clue reports for your automobile and, and uh, homeowner's insurance? Well, here is the same idea it's a uh, it's a it's like a credit reporting agency but instead they are uh, take keeping track of your health history and it's going to be you they're going to be used in the next chapter in the life insurance uh, chapter and the much the same matter as credit reports and clue reports and they're protected by the same laws now many people in the industry don't even know this place exists just type MIB.com and get your one free report every year because you don't want any untoward information on this thing. You don't want them to think that you've had a history of, of hepatitis or uh, whatever, heart disease or you have uh, HIV, whatever. You don't want any incorrect information on this thing. So definitely get your report once a year and check it. And, uh, and if anybody in the industry tells you it doesn't exist, you just tell them, type in MIB.com and you'll find that it does exist. Government health care programs. The government. Does the government do a very good job? Well, you know, they're people too. They make mistakes and sometimes they do stupid things. And, but sometimes they do very, very good things. And Medicare has actually been a pretty darn good program. The costs for Medicare are around 1%. 
kind of like Canada, like other socialized medicine. And Medicare has been actually a pretty good program for the elderly. What's the problem is it's going broke. And it's not Medicare's fault it's going broke. It's not because it's being mismanaged, although there are many people who try to game the system and they should be dutifully thwacked and thrown in prison. But it's just that the healthcare is bankrupting our entire economy. It's bankrupting all of us. So the Medicare system is, is not immune to that. It's for people who are 65 or older. And what you hear from the Democratic side of the aisle is we want Medicare for all, which is their fancy way of saying we want socialized medicine. And again, nothing's perfect. It will cure many problems. It will create other problems. We'll, it, I don't think it's going to happen, folks. We would look more like uh, Northern Europe and uh, Canada and other um, industrialized countries we, I don't know, I just can't imagine it happening. The insurance companies are just too powerful. So we'll see what happens. And then Medicaid, oh, by the way, um, Medicare is being more and more means tested. What does that mean? If you have done everything you're supposed to do in this class, built up, a, you know, a, 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 a built up substantial wealth, then you're going to get penalized in your elder years. This was something that, Many years ago with Social Security and Medicare, the folks who designed it tried never to have happen because what does that do? That gets very wealthy folks, uh, gives them a bad taste about Social Security and Medicare, but it's happening. So what are you going to do? Uh, Medicaid is uh, called Medi-Cal in California. <laughs> Isn't that cute? And that was for folks in their lower income brackets. It's a uh, federally... Uh, uh, got, it's state administered, but with federal guidelines. So it's for folks who are indigent or not be able to pay for their own med health insurance, which is virtually everyone. Slide number 19. Oh, by the way, real, real quick. Um, one of the best quotes from the debate over the Affordable Care Act was one uh, congressperson was at his home home uh, district and going to these um, town halls and some guy yells out, you keep your government mitts off of my Medicare. And it became instant famous quote. And the congressman's right say, but sir, Med Medicare is a government. Don't confuse me with the facts. It's a government takeover of a slide number 19. Okay. It's time to talk about disability income insurance. Let's think, folks. What's your most valuable asset that you have? Your health, right? <laughs> because if you don't have a health, you can't make money. If you had a machine that was bump, burping out $40,001 bills in your basement or in your garage, wouldn't you want it covered? Wouldn't you want it insured? Well, you are that machine. And so disability income insurance protects your most valuable asset, your ability to earn an income. And... It's one of the most neglected forms of insurance. Sound like a test question. One of the most neglected forms of insurance. Yes, yes, write that down. You want to aim for a benefit that what that when added to your other income will e equal about 60 to 70% of your take-home pay. And you probably won't find any that do exceed 70%. It may, no, it will, only pay if you cannot work at any job. It used to be that if you couldn't work at your job, they would pay you, but now they want you to find another job. Um, 
Look for a policy that pays if you're unable to work at your regular job. You won't find any. How long did the benefits last to age 65 for life? No, they typically last only two to five years, but the typical disability is six months. So what do the insurance companies do? They add a waiting period. You can think of the waiting period as if it were a deductible. Before they start paying, they make you wait 90 days or 180 days. Yeah, and the typical, as we just said, disability is six months, uh, so they don't have to pay very much. And the longer the waiting period, the lower the pre premium. So it's similar to that deductible in automobile and homeowner's policy. They will only start paying for your disability after the waiting period is over. So you'll see in the worksheet, you'll see a, a, an example of this. And think of it like the, wait, the uh, deductible. So where do we get disability income insurance? Well, most people will get it through their employer because it's a group disability policy. And, um, you know, we had we have them here at Southwestern. We used to have a pretty darn good one, and I joined it. But then they just got worse and worse and worse, and I just said, what the hell? I'm not paying for this. This is not worth it. Individual disability insurance, good luck. You know, it's very hard to find, and if you find it, it's very expensive and restrictive. What a deal. Well, more and more insurance companies are just saying, we don't want to deal with these anymore. We don't even want them. We don't want them. One of the last ones is Mutual of Omaha, and I'm going to ask you, and I don't only stock in Mutual Home of Omaha, but I'm going to ask you in your assignment to go find some quotes for health insurance and, and disability income insurance, and this is one of the last places you can do it. So do your best. And then if you are totally disabled, that lasts for more than one year, you can go to Social Security and get disability uh, insurance. However, my understanding is they totally deny everybody right off the bat. Just forget it. Denied. Then you have to go back and reapply and and, and takes forever. And people who actually are able to uh, navigate the system by definition are not disabled. If you're able to actually get disability insurance through Social Security, that means you're not disabled. So figure about figure out that catch 22. And then workers' compensation, workmen's compensation, if you're injured at work. This is a system in California that has been broken for a long time. And every governor, up to including um, Governor Schwarzenegger, said they would fix it. And that's one of the things that Arnold Schwarzenegger said he would fix. And when he got there, he realized, forget it. And so Jerry Brown, who, <laughs> who was after him said, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so what are we going to do again when we can't get people to agree on how to fix the system? We can all agree that it's broken, but we can't agree on how to fix it. And I can tell you folks through personal experience that this thing is a mess. I did not want to be a part of it, but my doctor gave me a letter saying, once this is work-related, I have nothing to do with it. I'm going to write a letter. You give it to your employer, and then it is out of my hands. And I went back to him later on and complained because this is, a, you know, this is several. It took a few years to, to all work out. And I said, can't you know? Can't what can I do? You know, what can't you deal with it? So this is horrible dealing with these people. And he said, you have to make the system work for you. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I did the best I could, and I never. I don't. I wanted. I right now. I want to. 
you all to know that I never lost a day. I never stayed home and ate bonbons, which is the typical, oh, this person's just working the workman's compensation system. No, I never lost a day because of this. So there. Uh, slide 21. The bottom line on health insurance, disability insurance is, again, Bohica, right? That's pretty much the bottom line on all insurance. I apologize for sounding so pessimistic, for sounding so nihilistic and doom and gloom, but forget it, folks. It's <laughs> it's broken, and we have no intention on trying to fix it together, playing nice in the sandbox. No, we're going to use it as a stick to hit one another. And don't forget, don't get sick. Well... So there are there's a worksheet for you to, to uh, uh, goof with, commentary, answer key, and then there are problems that are you know, it's kind of similar to the problems for automobile and life insurance. I mean, sorry, automobile and homeowners insurance. In our next chapter, and final, thankfully, chapter on insurance, we discuss life insurance. And folks, this is very important. Why? Because the insurance companies, again, they're not on your side, and they will sell you life insurance that will cost you a fortune over your working career, and you might not even need it. Or they will sell you something that is very affordable, very cheap, and will protect your family, providing you actually need life insurance. So do not miss our next chapter on life insurance. Thank you very much, as always, for being in our class, folks. We want you to be awesome. We want this to be the best class you've ever taken, even if we have to deal with health insurance. Mm. And, oh, yeah, don't get sick.